Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas y Caballeros. Welcome back to another edition of Leaving Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Emil Carr, and Kenny. Yo, yo. Kind of man, Thurman, and stuff. Um, hey, hey. If you guys want to call in, you guys want to call in, certainly can. 347-215-7598. I'm sorry. I got a bunch of things going on all at once, and I'm looking at this. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at this. But uh, I apologize. I apologize. Hey, look. Um, well, I got to give it to Emil Carr. He called it. He has said that... Um, Tyson Fury was going to go for the KO, was going to get that KO. I, I want to bring up some things, though, here really quick before we go into the whole dive about um, what happened on, on that night. Um, I, I want to I mention there's a few things that I wanted to bring up on Saturday. The, the first one was that, I, and I had a chance to talk to, like, a couple of guys that I, that my, in my tight little circle of folks that I, I regularly speak to, um, when it comes to like dissecting or looking at certain things. And so I had a, had a chance to talk to, you know, uh, especially a really good friend of mine, Brian Fogg. And, uh, you know, Brian will always throw something out there that I over either overlook or I didn't even see at all. But I was bringing it up to a few folks. I said in that press conference, I, 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 I tuned in to watch it first off of Mill yeah, and Kenny was because I wanted to see. I said, who was going to be the sharper of the two in their, in their, uh, you know, war of words. Right. And the one thing that caught me two things was obviously Dante Wilder won that category. He won that round. I mean, he thought, I thought he really cut deep into uh, Tyson Fury, bringing up about his uh, addiction habit, about his suicidal, but the, but, but the thing that really got my ear was the way Wilder, how how long it took him to kind of collect his thoughts to respond, and and sometimes he would be at like a pause, and I was immediately wondering, dude, does he sound punch drunk to me? I mean, because we witnessed him get hit more and more and more, you know. So that was my first thing that I really wanted to get in a deep dive with on Saturday uh, was about his defense. Defense not being very, very good. We've brought it up here on, on leaving the ring. And it was obviously evident on Saturday night. He just couldn't seem to get away from either the left hand of Fury and the right hand. Okay. Um, the second thing is this, is Wilder is kind of like a new generation type of fighter where um, they kind of neglect the history of, of boxing. Because if you watch boxing – if you're if you're if you're a guy that considers consistently wants to better themselves or be on top, like a lot of the greats uh, in our sport, you have to pay attention to the past because most of the past will do for you is they're gonna write you a a pathway to victory, and what I mean by that is I really sat there and go you know. If, if Wilder didn't, doesn't bring anything different to the table, there's a strong possibility because of the crunk that he was going to get beaten. And that's why my pick was for a split decision. 
And that happened Saturday because the neglect that Wilder brings to the table, the neglect that Wilder decides I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that, I'm going to solely depend on my right hand, it's almost like he forgot that in boxing it takes two hands, not one hand. You know, big kudos, though, to Andy Lee and, and Sugarman Hill. I, I, I got to tell you, the Kronk was live and well through a manuscript, uh, steward's spirit on Saturday night because that was a Kronk performance. That was a Kronk victory, you know. And, and we didn't dig too deep into it on our last show on Monday, but I got to tell you this, man. Uh, Emmanuel Stewart was smiling down because all the tactics that Emmanuel has implicated for every heavyweight that he's worked with. Remember this. He's, he's executed two heavyweights that people thought they were out the door because of a loss. Lennox Lewis, Latimer Klitschko. And Tyson Fury was a great student on what was done on Saturday night. I was bringing this up to Milkar and Kenny through a text, and um, – because I was on the road and I was doing stuff, I, I wasn't able to really, you know, get across what I was bringing up to Emil Carr. I keep calling, I keep saying the Southpaw, but I was saying that because of his Southpaw, like because he's a uh, Tyson Fury, that is, because that he's such, he's a natural Southpaw, his left jab was really the the telling of that that story of that fight, because his left jab is what really pushed and kept Wilder off balance in that first round that Wilder's face seemed completely confused and how strong he was with the left hand. Also, too, because of that Kronk style, you need a very strong left jab because when you, he threw out the jab, he'd hold that jab. If he missed over the shoulder, he did that brilliant move that Kalisco used to do and Lennox Lewis used to do that Stuart Todd taught him, which is you miss, you roll the hand back, and you wrap around the neck, and then occasionally... You give him a peekaboo with a right uppercut, and he was doing that numerous times. Didn't land the uppercut all the time, but the jab, he used it beautifully. Amilcar? Yeah, uh, just to piggyback up off of what you were just saying, David, the jab was obviously key. And one of the reasons I was so confident in my pick last week was Deontay Wilder really just has one weapon, and the weapon that he has is the right hand. Now, I was following a little bit of what Ben Davidson had been saying about when he had studied Deontay Wilder in preparation for, for uh, you know, at who we used to be his fighter, Fury. He noticed that Wilder only could throw the right hand when it was placed between the nipple and the waist. And essentially, hmm. that he had a very big tell. Like anyone who plays poker, you know, you can start reading your opponents uh, with, their, with their tells. And one thing that Wilder does is he starts with a very wide stance and then he moves forward as he throws the right. So as long as you could read his feet and his hand placement, you could uh, avoid the, the, the right or time it or roll with it, which is what Fury did a lot. Now, the other thing Ben Davidson had said that, that he, you know, emphasized or had, had worked with Fury on was, not just implementing the shoulder roll that Mayweather uses that a lot of people try to mimic. What a lot of people don't do with the Mayweather shoulder roll is lean all the way backwards to move the head out of the target range uh, completely. They kind of just stay there in the pocket and try to roll with shots, whereas Fury would actually step out and rock back. So that was important. Now, 
In terms of the jab, I agree. Look, the jab for Fury is super strong. In many ways, it's like Deloya's jab when he was dominant with it because these two guys are natural left-handers that fight in an orthodox stance. So Fury has always given up a powerful backhand punch, all right, for a powerful jab and a powerful hook. And what he did is he kept Deontay Wilder's right hand up and busy while looking at his footwork to stay out of range of the right hand. And his jab was stronger and more powerful, honestly, than anything Deontay was doing with his, with his right hand on, on, on Saturday night. He, he was also jabbing to the head. Even if you look at just before the fight was stopped, that whole sequence started was started sorry with, with a wilder jab to the body that actually hurt Deontay and forced him backwards towards the ropes. I, I like anybody who, who who doubts what I'm saying, just to go look at that last sequence before Wilder went to the ropes and his corner threw in the towel. And I'm sure we'll get into the stoppage later, but it was started with a jab to the body and of all of the knockouts, and by the way, there should have been four knockouts. He sorry, knockdowns. He wasn't given credit for two of them. Uh, the the one to the body to me I don't know about you David and Kenny but that one was very impressive to me that was so that was he, great that was great oh, I mean he yeah. was going to the body for, here's a, here's something yeah. really quick I got to point out because my house yeah. was full of, of family and friends that came over to want to watch that fight uh, the buzz about the fight was huge okay when they started showing Dante Wilder being rubbed down uh, stretched out I immediately said like what are they doing I mean and this is what I why I was bringing up the the my little rant about history. I mean, yeah. were these, do these guys not pay attention that you cannot have a fighter completely, completely relaxed. There's got to be a little bit of tension in his body. You know, it takes away the leg. Remember Emmanuel Stewart blowing up uh, against his, 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 his own staff when they were giving Thomas the Hitman Hearns a rub, yeah. uh, you know, leg rubs downs before the Hagler fight. It takes away it just takes away that energy. You know, now I know Wilder's trying to blame the costume. I think you need to blame that you were getting stretched too much and getting a rub down. That immediately told me there might be a bit of a problem in that first round. And, it, and as soon as that came out, as soon as that round started happening, midway around, I turned over to one of my, a, a really good friend of mine, a Louie, and I go, dude, what did I just say? They fucking rubbed his legs. What are you doing that for? It was ridiculous, you know. I, and speak about uh, 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 Kenny Bayless. Oh my God! Yeah, I want to oh, get into him I'm, later. Whoo, the last thing, geez. the last thing I wanted to say, though, David, before we move off from the jab, is that he implemented that Krog style jab, that jab that Lennox was famous for, that bad ram jab. In the first yep. fight, again, the reason I was so confident about picking Fury for this rematch is that in the first fight, he was a shell of himself. Uh, his body composition was terrible. It was, you know, very low muscle density, very high fat. Uh, He had the cardio to go 12 rounds, but he didn't have the body composition to actually assert himself strongly uh, with his jab. So his jab in the first fight was off the back foot. It was an evasive jab. At times he did lay into it as a flicking jab, which inflicted, you know, a little bit of damage, but nothing like the jab he implemented Saturday when he was just powering forward with it. And because he's so quick with his feet and with his hands, Deontay never had a a chance to react. And the last thing I'll say, which was in combination with the jab, and I've always loved this about Fury, when's the last time you've seen a guy double and triple faint 
before throwing a jab in the heavyweight division. Oh, I know. It's, I know. It's almost I mean, his, his quick feints. I mean, guys in lower weight classes can't faint as quickly as he can. And then to follow that up with a step-powerful jab, I mean, like we were talking about yesterday, uh, David, over, over a little chat, Deontay, by the end of the first round, he was in trouble. I mean, you could tell in his mind oh, yeah. he that, was that confused. he didn't have a clue for what he was going to be able to do. And a lot of that, honestly, also comes down to, to, to poor coaching. I don't think they had a really good game plan for him. No, they didn't. You know, and I've heard uh, from other folks that have visited the Wilder camp or at times at the camp was that he likes to do things his way. Um, he's kind of arrogant in that terms because he believes so much in that power that he kind of likes to throw everything else out the door. You know, it's, it's really been said that he, you know, you know, what I've been told is like, folks are like, I can't stand the way this guy boxes. You know, this guy doesn't know how to fight, but I've always said, you got to respect that power. But eventually the wide stance, the uh, not knowing how to throw throw the jab, not knowing how to time a person coming in was all going to cost them at one point, two things really quick before we pass the mic over to Kenny Oh, yeah. Kenny, <laughs> you know, but here's two things. Was, was Deontay Wilder, Jeff Lacey by Fury, the way Joe Calzaghe destroyed Jeff Lacey? Was he at that point? Is he at that point right now? And if he does replace, if he does, re- Deontay Wilder, if he does replace his team, who's the best option out there available? Because right now, Team Fury has the best guys that you would want on your corner if you're looking for somebody to develop you as a heavyweight or keep you going and giving you new strategies and et cetera, because the Emmanuel Stewart uh, blueprint, obviously I, has been working. David, I actually think it's far worse than the uh, Jeff Lacey beatdown. One, um, the way the towel was thrown in. I mean, Tyson Fury said he was going to make – Deontay quit. In the end, he made his corner quit for him. Quit. Obviously, Deontay is a very brave guy. The other thing, too, though, is that Jeff Lacey wasn't a long-reigning heavyweight champ. People were afraid of him to a certain extent in terms of being intimidated. But by and large, I mean, Deontay, when people speak about him, it's like, you know, no one can survive yeah, but- his right hand. He, he's, he's, he's this, he's that. And also, uh, but he was a one-handed fighter. I think the comparison I'm trying to make is that, absolutely. yeah, that Jeff Lacey was a one-handed fighter. Whereas, like I said earlier, that I think a lot of people forget, especially power punchers, that in boxing yeah. you need both hands, not just one. You do. But the last thing I want to give Fury a lot of credit for, bro, he's from he's from England. He's come to the United States twice to fight Wilder, right? Right. This last time, he fought Wilder with three U.S. judges and a U.S. referee who I thought was extremely biased against him, all right? And he, he like I said, he came to the U.S. When Calzaghe beat Lacey, Lacey went over to, to Wales to fight Calzaghe in Calzaghe's home, home country. I give Calzaghe all the credit in the world for just beating the hell out of, out of Lacey the way he did and just giving him a, a, a boxing lesson. But I think we have to give... Uh, Fury a special amount of credit for doing something that a lot of heavyweight champions and challengers, including Anthony Joshua, could not do, all right, which is go into someone's home country, all right, uh, defeat them with a bunch of non-neutral referees, all right, and he's done it twice now, and he's done it a third time if you include when he went to Germany, which was essentially 
uh, Vladimir Klitschko's home territory and beat Vladimir Klitschko in the fight that very few people expected him to win. So, you know, look, the Gypsy King is, is, is on top. You know, I'll ask you guys later on, you know, how you think he ranks, not just amongst the current crop of heavyweights, but historically. Um, my thinking right now is until I see otherwise, I honestly cannot think of a name at heavyweight that can beat a, a prime and in-shape Tyson Fury, which is what we have right now. You know, I got to say this really quick. Wilder, I give him kudos a lot as well. I got to give him a lot of props, guys. I know a lot of people are shitting on him because of this loss and saying that the kid is done, he's been exposed, he's been that. You can't expose somebody when we've, we've known this flaw about him. But he didn't have to fight Fury on the rematch. He didn't have to fight Ortiz in the rematch. You know, this guy wanted an immediate re, uh, uh, rematch with, with Tyson Fury after the draw. I like, and I know somebody said that, that his will was taken away. He was getting, he was getting a severe beatdown, but not once did I see him stop trying to line that big right. I just good that his corner saw it and they saved him for any further damage that could have possibly have happened to him that night. But for that, I'm going to pass the mic over to our boy, Kenny here. <laughs> hello. Hello. How's it going, everybody? I have uh, actually a lot to say today. Um, I had this a lot day? of, uh, yeah, this day, is that what uh, you're going to say? No, 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 excuse me. Um, but no, I, 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 um, uh, I was very excited about the fight and I said a lot of things that, uh, I still feel are true. I didn't say, uh, uh, a lot of people thought that I disrespected Fury in certain ways, uh, because of things that I said, but, uh, I just had to really quickly rewind on that because I never disrespected Fury. Uh, there was a point where I said, bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia is a famous quote from a movie Friday. Ice Cube says it in a certain part in the movie. That's where that comes right. from. So I was not disrespecting him by saying, bye, Felicia. The F in Felicia is the F in Fury is the same letter. So I thought it'd be clever. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Fury. Yeah. I was not trying to disrespect Tyson Fury in any way when I said that. Uh, I did not know I also that. Said that his <laughs> <laughs> I was going off about I the whole said, Friday thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. I also said that uh, 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 his body is uh, shaped like the Michelin Man. Uh, yeah, this is not a lie. This is true. Very we true. all know this. And you know what? He looked even more like the Michelin Man without showing us his body before the fight. He was always right. coming up before the fight. When I saw his body during the fight, it's completely different than what it looks like with a shirt on. The dude actually did put on a lot of muscle. His shoulders looked bigger, his arms looked bigger, and his stomach, it wasn't ripped, but you could see the, the, the muscles in his stomach. It wasn't just yeah. a fat stomach as I thought it was when you see it through the shirt. He's got a so, pear-shaped body. I mean, that's the thing about him. It's a pear-shaped. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not yeah. – I'm just telling you what I see. I got to give him credit, though, guys. He, he improved his muscle strength in his legs. If you looked at his legs – in this fight, compared He's to the other, he he got how bigger. How could you not look at the leg? Hey, how could you not look at his legs with those short, tall, high they were though? Right. <laughs> he he had them tight tights before the fight, the little green joints. <laughs> yeah. him, him and Oscar nah, De La Hoya yeah, yeah. must have shopped at the same place when it came to trunks, because they both really like to wear their trunks really high. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's up with that. I, 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 we, we, we're not liking it, guys. Please go back to the regular trunks. We're not enjoying the business. <laughs> it, it, works, though. <laughs> it, it works for these guys, you know? I mean, it might make them feel lighter, um, you know, because it's true, all about true. 
being comfortable and 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 you know there's rituals that Moment. fighters do. You know, uh, there's a lot of rituals that that fighters do. So you know that may be one of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could, I could, def- I could definitely see that, and I could definitely see, like you said, it, it being like uh, lighter on them, making them more mobile. You know, um, but yeah. So I, I saw Tyson Fury's body before the fight through the shirt, and I said, "Whoa, this guy! It looks like this guy put on twenty pounds of fat. If this guy really did put on twenty pounds of fat and not the muscle that he was talking about, then this right. guy's gonna be really in trouble." Yeah, that, that's something. Then this guy's gonna be really in trouble. It's gonna be like AJ Ruiz too, where Ruiz put on however so many pounds. And it looked nothing like the fighter that he was in the previous fight. So those were my thoughts. Those were my concerns. Then I saw uh, uh, Tyson Fury. And he looked, excuse me, uh, Deontay Wilder. He looked like he got in great shape. He he put on uh, like, uh, see, was that 230, 231 or something like that? But, you know, yeah. looks are deceiving. The great shape right. that he looked to be in, he actually was not in that great shape. He... He was in a in like nicely cut up or whatever, but his cardio seemed not to be there. He seemed to not train enough. His mind seemed to not be there. Like you guys said, he seemed lost after like the first minute and a half in the first round, and his troubles really started pouring on him when Tyson Fury completely noticed at the end of the second round and started pouring on them punches. Then it was over. Right, it was pretty much over for the guy round three. I, th- so, I think I think yeah, Kenny. Know. I honestly think that that that. It, that set of worriness came in when he realized I can't feel my legs. Like I have nothing underneath yeah. holding me up. Cause his legs even looked way off before these big shots were being really landed. Like it, it was almost yeah. like whatever Fury did, he was like falling backwards the whole time, you know? So mm. I, I think it was a set of like a panic mode. You know what I mean? Like, Oh shit. What's, what's going on? I, yeah. I want to get credit to Fury for what he did. And a lot of that was the way uh, he was using ring generalship to cut off the ring. A lot of that was the body work he was putting in. A lot of that was the feints that had Deontay constantly guessing and not knowing what he was supposed to do. And let's be honest, he was moving back early in the fight. From the very opening bell, Fury ran right out at him, right? And from that that second forward... Deontay was constantly guessing because Fury was giving him the feint. He was going to the body with the jab. He was going to head with the jab. He was rocking him back. And then, you know, what was beautiful, too. I'm sure you guys noticed it. That hook off the jab, that left hook off the jab that he was throwing. I, look, it was a masterful performance. And for people who say, and I've been hearing this all day, oh, Stephen A. Smith and, and others, that Wilder can't box. Well, this is the same Wilder that was knocking out everybody, and no one says that Luis Ortiz can't box. Very few people were saying that Dominic Brazil can't box, but he was destroying these guys. So, look, yeah. he, just, he, just he was getting his- away with it. He was getting yeah. away with, with all these flaws, which most guys that we've seen that decide to throw boxing mm-hmm. out the door, like Roy Jones Jr., they have these natural gifts. But then when it comes down to boxing, when everything is out the door, when something is taken away from you, that's when we find out where you're truly at. And Fury was able to pull the curtain down and reveal, though, something that we already knew, that Wilder needed to be not just very creative with his right hand, but needed more than just the right hand to beat a top Fury, you know? And that's what my concern was. You know, 
I, I give credit all to to Fury, but I also have to be. I also have to take account what I also what I witnessed and what I thought was yeah. being done wrong to Deontay Wilder, and that like I said, that's the neglect and the arrogance that he brings to the table because he's relying so much on his power that he's neglecting the history of power punchers. They've been beaten because they, once that one money punch has been taken away, guess what? They're left naked in that ring. And we've said this numerous times. If you're a hardcore boxing fan like ourselves here, we've said this numerous times. The ring is a truth teller. It's going to reveal who you really are in that square yeah. circle. And the, the difference uh-huh. between Wilder and other powerful punchers from, from the past who have been exposed in certain fights, the biggest one that comes to mind is Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson had all kinds of power from different punches. You, you right. don't really see... Wilder, you know, throwing an uppercut from the right side or the left side or oftentimes using a powerful hook, it's that right hand. And like Ben Davidson said, all right, and this was, again, Fury's older coach, if his hand is up here, he's not throwing that powerful shot. The tell is Mm -hmm. when his hand is down here. So as soon as his hand is down here, what Fury did, and I I know you guys heard during the fight, uh, Sugar Hill tell him, just move back quickly, freeze him, right? You see him bring it down, move right. back quick, freeze him, and then attack him right away, right? And Fury's left-hand jab was faster and, you know, uh, quicker, obviously, than, than, um, than Wilder was able to move his hand up and down into, into his position. And also the wide stance is something that he's going to have to change because he can't deliver his punch from that wild, wide stance. So... I think he does kind of need a, 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 new, a new trainer, but it might be a little too late to teach an old dog new tricks. There, there's so much that Wilder has to learn be, beyond that. There's so much. But I just, I just want to bring it back really quickly because I want to finish the statement that I was saying earlier. I still have to, uh, you know, I still have a message to, to, to give uh, uh, regarding the, the, the fight and, and the introduction to the fight. But, yeah, I, I said a lot, which people uh, took in way, disrespectful ways, which I wasn't disrespecting anybody. I'm giving my boxing opinion. Everybody yeah. has an opinion. It's okay to have an opinion, you know. Uh, I was called the fanboy or something like that. Yeah, I damn right am a fucking fanboy. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a fanboy to all fucking boxers. Yeah, I like boxing. I enjoy boxing. I'm a fanboy to all of them. It doesn't offend me for you to call me a fanboy. Uh it's you're a fan. We're all fanboys. We we're, we all sticking here on a Saturday night to watch all boxing fights from like 9 p.m. You know, like you know, so whatever. It's just or early. Yeah, or, or early. You know, so we're 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 spending a lot of time watching boxing. Uh, yes, I am a big fan of uh, of Wilders. I'm a big fan of Furies. I'm a big fan of AJ's. And uh, something that you guys would never expect me to say: Tyson Fury is the fucking king, and nobody's fucking with him. That is the truth. I don't even think AJ got anything for him, and, I, and I'm a big-ass AJ fan. So, yeah, the, the man is agree. extremely skilled and talented. I couldn't agree with you more. And here, I'm going to go out on a limb and say something even crazier, all right? And maybe it's because the fight happened Saturday, but I've actually been thinking about this for a long time. We're talking about, right now, a six foot nine, 270 pound plus heavyweight, super heavyweight, heavyweight right. who can move who can who can go from orthodox to southpaw and who proves that he can fight on the inside and on the outside and that he actually does have power, right? Maybe not the power that Deontay has, but if you look at 
Tyson's power in his left hand, his right hand, and threw a variety of punches. This is one powerful dude. Who yeah. he, in he may actually have boxing, just as much power as Wilder. Sorry. Yeah. Who in heavyweight boxing can 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 beat Tyson Fury? Not now, but in the past. All right. Because when oh, I was I'll tell going, you who. I'll tell you who. I'll tell you who. You want right, right, to tell you who? in a second because. When I came up watching heavyweight boxing, David, right? Uh, I'm born in the 80s. I started watching boxing in the 90s, right? Uh, heavyweights were 215, 220, 200. A big heavyweight was right. 235, 240. This dude's yes. 270-plus. Right. But go for it. I'll tell you, okay. I think uh, out of all the small heavyweights, I, I think they're going to have a very difficult time with Tyson Fury. Fury has... Two advantages. One, he's very mobile. Yeah, three. One, he's immobile, and when he decides to sit down in his punches, he's lethal. His height yeah. is a big, yeah. big, big issue. Um, but if you want to bring up the passive fighters, there's one heavyweight. Then, but before I get to the heavyweight, I'm going to say, okay, Vladimir Klitschko had problems with them as an old Vladimir Klitschko. I still think he would have problems with Tyson Fury, the version that we saw Saturday night. Lennox would have Lewis, big knocked out. You know, I think I think Lennox Lewis would have had a lot of problems with the Tyson Fury we saw uh, Saturday night. Now, the one though, the one that I think that would have stopped him because he had, there was just something in him that that was vicious was Vitaly Klitschko. I think that he would have beat even that version that we saw Saturday night of Tyson Fury. I've always said Vitaly was the better of the two Klitschko brothers. I've oh, always yes. said that. The it's just important. That 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 they couldn't that they couldn't fight, and honestly, Vitali is the we we've had discussions about the whole lineal thing, and I had a thing for a second with Michael Montero on Twitter where I was debating him about it, but Fury for me has never been lineal, and the reason Fury for me has never been lineal, as much as I like him, as much as I think he's the best, is because, uh, it was um, Lennox Lewis who who retired undefeated. All right. And when he retired, his titles were split up. Vitaly took over the WBC, and uh, Vladimir ended up taking all of the other titles. And those titles were never unified. So we'll actually have a lineal champ once. Uh, well, actually, we could even say now we have a lineal champ because he's he's now collected all of the belts uh, that that Lennox Lennox lost. Um, but yeah, but up until now, there hasn't been a, a lineal champ. Hey, I didn't respect that lineal champ uh, conversation at all. It's like I, I feel like him talking about lineal champ is disrespecting the other current champions. Hey, but now no, no, the dude has a belt. He's a fucking champion. He's a man. You know what I'm saying? Regardless of the belt, he fought like the man. He came in there with that look on his eyes. The man looked possessed. There was not even a single twitch of a smile in Tyson Fury's face. Yes, it was the same for Deontay Wilder, but Deontay Wilder is always like that. Tyson Fury has a personality. He's always joking and always decided, no, this man was serious with that. He went in there with a mission, and he accomplished it. Uh, yo, like, I believe anything that that this guy says about boxing now. When, like, if he says, I'm going to do this in the match, I'm going to go in there, gain weight, I'm going to knock a dude out, I believe it. I believe it because he put the work ethic in. Apparently, Deontay Wilder didn't put as much work as we thought he was going to put in. He looked worse. He looked Better in certain circumstances in this fight because he threw more punches. He was landing more punches early, you know, earlier on. Last fight he couldn't land anything, but he did look worse in so much other in so much other things in the fight. He kept on squaring himself. He kept on tangling himself with his feet. He kept on tripping on his own feet. You know, you know. Uh, uh, it was just 
Wilder just did not look good, uh, and Fury looked amazing. Regardless of the fact, that's exactly how it looked last fight. That's exactly how we expected it to look. But I did expect it to go a little further. I did expect Wilder to land the eraser at least once. Uh, uh, I didn't think that Wilder would just get completely wasted. He landed. Long. The guy was. He landed, landed. Early, but he, he landed. It. Yeah, yeah. He he landed no, like three, three 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 times through the whole fight. But I think the legs I were not. Really I mean, so. his legs were kind of gone, and 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 Fury was able to just kind of roll with that punch. Which yeah, took that's, that's what I say. You know, that's what I say. He, he, that's what I say that he didn't land it because, uh, yeah, he threw it and the punch hit, but but Fury had that swivel head. Fury moved right. back with the punch, so so the impact was minimal. Fury, Fury didn't eat the punch as if it was the real Deontay Wilder eraser. No, nah, he didn't take that impact. He, he moved with it. You know, he made his adjustments. If you remember in the first fight and Teddy Atlas, who's fight prediction, I was like, what is he talking about? And I respect. Teddy a lot. I've met Teddy in a barbershop, funny enough, in Staten Island. But he, Teddy did pick up on one thing that I thought was very key and that I also noticed, which is that in the first fight, Tyson would always just move to his right to avoid the punch, kind of dip low and move to his right. You notice what he did this time is he took a step back at an angle, and like you said, uh, David, he rolled with the shot. He rolled with the shot. So he took the shot, but he didn't take the full impact of the shot. Last thing I want to ask you guys, and I'm, I'm sure we got some callers that, uh, that want to call in. What did you guys think of, uh, of his ring entrance? Me, personally, I loved it. It got me hyped for the fight. Tyson Fury? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, a, oh. it was a great addition to the show and the drama. I thought it was amazing. I thought that the lady to the to the right side of his stand, she was super swole. That lady had muscles and she was kind of sexy too. I you know, but I I did think it was a little weird for the U.S. just because it's like a, a girls holding a man up on a pedestal. It's a, it, 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 the U.S. can do that as kind of uh, I guess sexist, uh, but yeah. it's, I, I didn't think it really he really was trying to get the sexist message. I thought it was a dope-ass interest. The guy looked fucking great. It was amazing. He had some good-looking ladies next to him. They was muscular. So, hey, oh, also, those women had to be at least 6'6". Six, six. Like, Fury was 6'9", and he was standing up right next to them, and they was, like, up to his nipples. Like, whoa, those, those ladies those ladies had to be super tall. All right, enough, <laughs> enough for me. Yeah, he had some <laughs> Enough for me. Go ahead, David. <laughs> I know. We don't, want, we don't want Kenny to stand up on the stream right now, man, the way he's talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, some fight fans really quick here on leaving the ring uh really quick two questions though like i said uh i know that while they're talking about his his team are talking about the immediate rematch they want to enforce that uh should he do it and should he uh replace his uh trainer and who does he pick out of the crops me personally i don't see anybody out there but if i if i was forced by hand to pick a trainer I wouldn't go Freddie Roach. I wouldn't go Teddy Atlas. I wouldn't go. God, I, I would go Manny Rublos to tell you the truth. I, that's who I Manny would pick. Robles. Yeah, Robles. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, let's go with. Uh, that's a good pick. Let's go with area code five one zero. You're on live right now, leaving ring. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, David. Hey, no car. Hey, Kenny Fernando. How you guys doing? Nando, what's up, bro? Nando. Oh, working, bro. Working, trying to make some dollars out here, man. Uh, pouring some coffee. Um, that was a great fight, man. That was a really great fight, man. Uh, really was impressed with Tyson, you know. <clears throat> the confidence he called his shot, you know. Like, 
He's the guy's a star, man. A lot, a lot of charisma. The guy's a star, man. Big time star. I, I will say something. Like I, I know the, they're talking about the rematch. Bianca wants to do the rematch. I think from a career from a career perspective, that's a bad idea. But from a business side, it's, 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 he has no choice. He cannot sell a pay per view without a title. You know. Yeah. You can't put him up against Andrew Reese. You know, Andrew Reese probably be the biggest fight outside of a Tyson or a, or AJ. But how do you sell it? You know, without a title on the line. You know, that that has to go to Showtime. He's made making five million dollars, you know, instead of thirty million dollars, you know. So he really has no choice, man. As far as far as the business side of it, it's kind of a shame, man. He had he he really got screwed over by his manager, man. He had a hundred twenty million dollars to fight AJ instead of uh, Tyson Fury. He chose the wrong path, you know. He definitely so, uh, did. I, he, I mean, what other options him? does he have, though? No, I mean he had the option, if you remember, to take a hundred million from the zone to face Brazil, right? right? And then take uh, AJ fight and then the AJ rematch. So it was going to be three fights, $100 million. The first one was Brazil, as I said. The, the second yep. one would have been AJ. And he could have done the AJ what Andy Ruiz did to AJ. So it, I, and it I was mean, guaranteed now. money. It was guaranteed money. I, I mean, now, I, what options does, does he have now? He doesn't have any who, options yeah, but to fight Tyson Fury over. Yes, no, Wilder, Wilder. Wilder, 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 split in, in, in the rubber match. Um, and and, and <laughs> hope he can land a, land a his knockout punch. But I do not see Fury allowing him to, to, not, to, to land that punch. In fact, I see Fury... Doing exactly what he did on on Saturday, maybe even sooner the next time. Yeah. Yeah. The smart thing for him would be, honestly, is not even go for that immediate rematch. He's really got to go and try to learn something that I still think is going to be very difficult for him in any scenario to beat Tyson Fury. You know, to say that he doesn't have options, uh, he's got options. I mean, he has a, a a fan base. You know, there are people that are going to be curious to see him on the comeback. You know. Um, you know, PBC is still a very strong promotional group that can finagle certain things. Uh, they can still put them on pay-per-view, regardless of the name uh, of, of, of it not being uh, Tyson Fury. I, I think he, they can still can do it because the curiosity of folks are going to be, how damaged is he? Can he still create? Because, he, guys, he still brings something to that table, which is that KO power. And people love that KO power. What, like an Andy Ruiz... Uh, fight on pay-per-view with Wilder? I think I mean, something like that. Else? I even think like if he was to go, like if, if Bob Arum wanted to to preoccupy Baby Miller, you got Baby Miller. You know, because I don't see Fury wanting to put in Baby... Uh, I don't see Fury and Baby Miller. I think Fury and them are going to try to negotiate with uh, uh, Anthony Joshua at the moment and see if they can get that going. And then Baby Miller's going to be sitting, back again, back in the outside. So, I mean, I, I don't like to say nobody has options until we get a little further down in the months. So then we can start saying this may not happen or this will happen, you know? There's definitely fights for him, but Kenny, jump in and correct me if I'm wrong. I, I felt when you said options, you were talking like options to make $20, 25 $30 million in big money fights. 
So yeah, yeah. To... I, I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking about fighting options to to possibly be a champ again one day. I'm not talking about uh, money options. The guy definitely got money options in boxing, but uh, he's not going to be a champ fighting a uh, Ruiz that doesn't have a belt or a big baby no, Miller that doesn't no. have a belt or any of these other. And I don't think he should, Kenny. I don't, I, I don't think he should be really honestly. I don't think he should be concerned about the bouts right now because I think he took such a bite of a humble pie of what happened. On Saturday night, I, I I think he needs to really kind of go. I need think I think he needs to do is really evaluate himself and understand that the things that he's been lacking, he now needs to try to catch some of it before even thinking that he can beat Tyson Fury. Because I don't care who he brings to the table, he could bring four or five different masterminds in boxing and and and, and coaching. It's not going to make a difference against Tyson Fury. Yeah, it, it, it definitely definitely won't make a, a difference against Tyson Fury. Uh, uh, there's nothing that Wilder can do to to change himself in the short term for Tyson Fury. Wilder definitely has to go back to the drawing boards, and I don't know if I see that happening. You know, like, like they say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Uh, yeah, that's more than an old dog. This dog is a senior citizen. And I don't really know if I see uh, him completely changing up his style and. Boxing differently. Well, I, I mean, if I, that I was really his, the tr- if that was really bet. true, but Ken, if that was really true, the latter Kaliskos of the world would have not came back from a loss. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Lennox Lewis, Lamont Bruce, Corey Sanders. Yeah, those, those, a lot of these guys. Those are those are different. More yeah, but he's still a young. He's still a young dog. It, 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 considered in heavyweight terms, he's still very young. Thirty-five years. It's not that old. I think he still can go back uh, to the drawing board, learn some new things. But to kind of bum rush him back to the heavyweight to the heavyweight elite contingencies, that to me is a is a no no. I think that he, they need to pump the brakes a little bit. He got the title at a very low of the of the heavyweight division. Now the heavyweight division is at an ultra peak. That I think it's just going to be very difficult, and the mindset is going to be very damaged, in my opinion. I got a random name to throw out there for you guys. And Nando, you could tell me what you think. But this coach is particularly good at working with guys that throw kind of unorthodox uh, right-hand powerful punches. And that's Mark Ramsey. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, I'm sure most of our listeners do, but Mark Ramsey is Jean Pascal's trainer. I think he right. does great work with Jean Pascal. Yeah, especially uh, Jean Pascal is such an awkward guy. You know what I mean? That might work. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that was yeah, Nando. That was Nando. Speak up, Nando. I, I think that'd be a, that's an excellent idea. A milk car for two reasons, right? Uh, for somebody who knows how to train somebody with an awkward, aggressive style, and maybe he needs a training camp up in Canada, man. Get away from everybody. Get away from all the noise. Kind of yeah. like go Rocky Four, you know? Get away from noise. I, I will say one thing. If, if I'm, it sounds like that, like uh, reading something about the the, the mandated rematch. It has to occur before the end of July, right? So that's only like what four months away. Yeah. Right? Four or five months away. So and he's already said he's going he's going to take it. So if if I'm training yeah. him, the only chance he really has in that rematch is get back down to around 215 pounds, get back some of that quickness and uh, explosion, explosiveness, and turn it into Hagger hmm. Holmes. Three minutes of folks, man, get in there because if he he's not going to win a boxing match against Tyson Fury, and Tyson Fury is going to wear him out. Like he did in the last fight. If he wants to be Tyson Fury, he needs to go in there super aggressive early. You know, that's the only. I, that's the I same agree. Goes for AJ too. That's the same goes for AJ also. AJ cannot try to outbox Tyson Fury. That's not going to happen. You know, 
That's I just wonder what they have to do with confidence, though, you know? I, I agree with them that they need to go out there aggressive early, but I'm not sure that I agree that Deontay Wilder should go to 250 pounds. Uh, yeah. That's a two. That's a two hundred and seventy-four pound Tyson Fury. He can't hold all that weight on him if he weighs two. Now, not with those deer legs. No, no offense, but they are. They actually look like what they look <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah, they're, really, they're really small, Tyson man. Like, like two hundred. If you weigh two hundred fifteen pounds, there's no way that he's gonna be able to survive. Where with Tyson Fury putting those two hundred and seventy, I think six or seventy-four pounds on top of him the whole fight, like he was doing this fight. He kept on going on top of him, leaning on him. Uh, putting him in the headlock and leaning the weight on him, that'll, that'll destroy Deontay Wilder by round three if he weighed 215 pounds. And I, Wilder, Fury wouldn't even have to throw punches. He would just wear him down by putting his weight on him in three rounds. Done. That's exactly what I'm talking about, though, Kenny. With, with the game plan I'm talking about, you don't want to go yeah. past three rounds with Tyson Fury. You're trying to land a quick bomb on his chin like he didn't. How much did he weigh in the first fight? 219 pounds? True, true. It's like he looked awesome. 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 He was low. He was 217 in the first fight. Yeah, you know, and that's when he had his most success, man. He was more explosive. In his last fight, he seemed like he was flat-footed from the beginning. You know, for whatever reason. Oh, he reason, can also I bank. Also... I can I say this too, man. Though He can also bank. The Wilder camp can also bank that Tyson Fury does and Andy Ruiz. Go out there and he's partying it up right now because he is on top of the world. He is the king of the world, you know, and falling back into the party trap. And get them hope and, and, and hopes and getting them in that way. There's a lot of things. I mean, look, I, I, I think Wilder still has some time to sit back and reflect on what happened on, on Saturday night. Um, I just I just say personally, the fury that we saw is gonna be by far the most difficult of any of these heavyweights to beat. They're gonna have to have a really good good game plan. And really jab at that body to slow down the awkwardness and the, the herky-jerk that Fury, that Fury brings to that table. The feigning of Fury, that whole feigning that he does, you know, it's got to be timed. And how you time it is not worry about the shoulders movements. It's start worrying about that waist movement because you'll stop him from coming in and out and doing exactly what he wanted to do, you know, on, uh, the way he did it on Saturday night. Um, you know what's yeah. crazy though, David? What's crazy though is that the, uh, Fury was effectively uh, defending a lot of Wilder's attempts at jabs to the body too. Yeah, he body. like parry, parry the the jab super low. His hand speed and foot speed is unreal. I mean, and for a guy again six nine two seventy two or two whatever it was, uh, you know he's stepping to the side. He's parrying shots low. He's parrying shots high. He's countering and. What I like, too, is his ability to step to the left and then land a jab. It, it, I, I was just thoroughly impressed. I, obviously, here well, I am, I sound like a but I was geeking out. on. I, I rewatched this fight, like, literally six times. Yeah, yeah. Because no, I, I, I was, too, because it, it was such a beautiful strategy. It was a, it, You know, I, especially in boxing, when everything falls in place, of what they've said and what they're going to do. Because a lot of the times, you know, fighters will say certain things to psych themselves up, to psych up their fans, to make them, you know, kind of fall into this belief that they're going to do it. But when it's implicated and it's actually used, it's such a beautiful thing to watch. And it's something that, that that's the reason why I fell in love with the sport 
so much, you know, uh, for these moments. I live for these moments here. Fernando, uh, who you got really quick before we let you go? You got Mikey Garcia or Jesse Vargas who are fighting on the zone this Saturday? Uh, I, I, I got, I got uh, Jesse Vargas. I think Mikey Garcia is overrated, to be honest. Especially at welterweight. Especially at welterweight. Yeah, and uh, what about Calgify and Chocolatito? Uh, Chocolatito, he's pretty, uh, Kaya Fai's perfect. Yep, yeah, that? Yeah, so I think, I think, uh, Kaya Fai's perfect for Chocolatito. He doesn't have a lot of power. He's not going to wear out, uh, Chocolatito. I think, uh, uh, Chocolatito doesn't have a lot of tread left on his tires, but Kaya Fai isn't the guy to, uh, flatten him for him, you know? So, uh, yeah. I got, I got Chocolatito as we can buy a knockout. I'm really excited for the Julio Cesar Martinez fight, man. That guy. That's what yeah, I mean. I, I, oh, yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. Ever since the yeah, Charlie Edwards win, the Charlie Edwards win was, was, was really impressive. Yeah, the one he got taken away from right in England? For like yeah, I noticed the win because that's exactly what the fuck it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. But uh, thank you for taking my phone call. I appreciate it, man. Looking forward to the fight this weekend. Uh Really great boxing's back, baby. It was awesome, man. It was Absolutely. Back. Fight, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for calling in, Nando. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Nando. All right, let's Thank pass you. in some other fight fans. That sit up. The phone lines are getting really packed, so please, everybody, be patient. And if I bring you on, let's just try to keep it as, uh, as minimum right now so we can try to get everybody on the show. But let's patch in, because um, Ahmed has been on hold for quite some time. Ahmed, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Give me your thoughts. Yeah, hello, hello, Dave. Uh, look, Kenny, how's you, how you guys doing? All good, I man. Thanks for being over there in Wales. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's kind of late, but I, I never slept that. What was it? Sunday night or whatever. I was just so excited. Your prediction was right, man. But I woke up. Yeah, thanks, Kenny. I woke up late Saturday night, so I, I knew it was gonna be a long, yeah. Fight just I I just had a feeling Fury was gonna win, but I just thought uh, something great will happen. Although I didn't think it'd be that one-sided, I did think Wilder would win at least one or two, maybe clear rounds. I don't think he won a clear round. I thought the second was a round you could have given him, but I, I do think he landed his right hand. But Fury took it. Uh, Fury said himself he took a big right hand. He said it was a. I think Wilder would have probably knocked a lot of guys out. It's just Fury. Uh, implemented his game plan very well. He he did everything I think Sugar Hill told him to. When he was in range, uh, when he was in Wilder's range, he quickly took a back step so Wilder wasn't getting full leverage on his shots. And uh, Wilder, we found out. Uh, we I think everyone, one of us who's seen his career, he can't really fight on the inside or backing up. Uh, that was showed. The thing I was really surprised though, how bad. Um, Wilder's legs were after the first round when he got hit. Uh, I just don't think he's done the work uh, on his legs. Uh, he don't work on his legs. I know they're really skinny, but that's I think one of the main things with a chin. When you got a chin, uh, which people say might be shaky, but your legs are where your balance all stems from. So I'm not sure if it's just the chin. I think it's a bit of combination of the legs as well, but. I thought Imuka nailed it. He said everything in the build-up. I know I, I also agreed, although I was when he got close to the fight, I was kind of not sure because I, I thought so many people were making a big thing about Fury's weight. Uh, Teddy Atlas being the one guy, but 
just based on the Ortiz rematch, like uh, Wilder to me has regressed. I think it's now safe to say he's not improving, and I'm hearing that they're gonna fight Mark Breland. I I think that's a very bad move, and uh, it's kind of a bad move. And I think so too. Thing to, yep. Because I, I think he might have saved his life. Because they're not gonna. They're not. Gonna, I agree, but they're not gonna fire Jay Diaz because he's he's also his manager. Yeah. Know? Oh, he's a manager as well. All right. Yeah, he's a co-manager with him uh, along with Shelly Finkel. It's a 50-50 managerial split. So, you know, Jay Diaz is the guy who took him on when he was an amateur, and Deontay's been loyal to him. So he's just like tra- trainer slash manager, you know. He's not going to learn anything, then, if he's going to get rid of Breland. Unless he gets a better trainer or coach who was maybe willing to teach him. Uh, I mean, look at Joshua when he got knocked off by you know, Luis. I know it's different circumstances you know what sucks is that he can learn something from brillin the problem is is that he's not willing to listen yeah you know and if you're not willing to listen then what's the point because i'm pretty sure mark has showed him you know when he's you know when wilder showed that he has a job it's it's a beautiful thing that he throws out there it's just that he doesn't care for it because he's gotten away with the ko's from his right hand. And this is a big pill for him to swallow. I mean, he came out saying that the, the costume uh, took out his legs, that etc. And, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, it's like, no, man, you know what? Um, it's gotten you out of, it's gotten you out of situations, but it was only, and, I, and I've said this numerous times, Wilder was always one fight away of losing. Yeah, yeah. I said that last week, didn't I? I said, yeah. you can't, he won't be good enough to be unbeaten. And uh, when I was re-watching some of his fights, uh, I re-watched the Fury fight once a couple of months after the first fight. And I even said it then. I was thinking to myself, this guy is not that good. Like, he's not someone who's fundamentally good enough to stay unbeaten. And then the Ortiz rematch was really surprising. Because Ortiz kind of slowed down after the first fight. He went the distance with Hammer. He looked like he slowed down. But on the flip side, an older, more slower Ortiz was able to outbox Wilder a lot more convincingly in the second fight after six and a half or whatever round before he got clipped, which I thought was kind of worrying. I think uh, is the right hand. Well, it's got, it kind of got to Wilder's head. Cause it's become such a big meme now that like, whenever you've seen those knockouts, I think he started believing in his own hype uh, a bit too much. I yeah, got a question. Yeah, man. Who do you think made the bigger yeah. mistake? AJ not taking the $50 million that was on the table to fight uh, Wilder or Wilder not taking the zone money to fight, to fight AJ? Oh, they both seem to have opportunities to get big wins. And then uh, Fury's been the one to capitalize. Yeah. Uh, that's true. That's true. Fury uh, now is obviously clearly the number one heavyweight. He's beaten both Wilder and Klitschko in the back garden. Uh, for that question, I think... Uh, uh, look, uh, I've heard that there was a lot of implication around the 50-50. That, that's not me being biased towards AJ, just because I'm from the UK. I follow some very good channels on YouTube. We'll cut it down the middle. We've kind yeah. of followed the whole thing. And they were saying, and this was backtracked by Frank Warren, who admitted it, and I think Lou DiBella on the boxing voice, that that $50 million was going to... That, that was a $50 million offer or whatever for something that would have meant AJ would have had to have left Sky Sports who we had a deal with to fight on BT. Now, on the flip side, AJ and his team obviously could have done more to make that fight. They, they did offer Wilder 
12, 13 million, and then the zone deal, which uh, I don't blame fully on Walder because uh, you've got to look at it this way. If Walder took that deal, AJ ended up getting knocked out by Ruiz. So we don't know if that fight would have uh, happened at that time. Although Walder is the one who was being a lot more, what's the word, uh, picky about the offers. You're saying these are low-ball offers, slave offers. He could have just taken the fight either with Dylan White before or just accepted the short-term deal like you said Ruiz did. And then he could have knocked Joshua out. I think with Joshua now, his probably legacy will be defined in the long term with how he does with Fury. Because that's, I think, the big fight. Whoever wins that is the, will be the guy of this era. With Wilder, he missed out. He missed out on fighting Klitschko, which both of the other guys have done beaten, uh, done and beaten. He also never unified. And now it looks like uh, Fury has got his number. Unless he turns it around in that third fight, Wilder will go down as a guy who kind of had a very weak resume, who kind of, his back is kind of carefully handpicked and selected. I, I thought the Ortiz wins were good, but outside that, I look at that resume, it's very thin. I think they should have taken the deal with Joshua. I really think he would have had the chance and style to beat Joshua. Uh, I think he probably got the right hand to knock anyone out in this era, but he's not beating Fury. I think Fury, on his worst game, outboxed him, and then at his best, outfought him. He beat him on his own game, I just don't think Wilder's got yeah. the technical and uh, fundamental ability. I, I, I know a lot of people like to compare him to Triple G. But let's be clear, Triple G had a stellar amateur background. The guy is a lot more fundamentally, what's the word, schooled from a young age. He knows how to cut the ring off. I know his resume also wasn't that uh, good because of how weak that division was and how yeah. he fared with Jacobs and Canelo. But he knows how to jab. He knows how to fight on the back foot to a degree. Whereas Wilder... It's just one hand reliant, right. and it's kind of a shame. I think he's got a good jab, with Dave said, but he don't use the jab. Yep, doesn't use it. Doesn't use a lot of stuff. Doesn't know how to throw the hook. Um, can throw the uppercut, but you can see it. He telegraphs it uh, a lot. Uh, there's a lot of tricks, you know, and I've said this so many times, that the amateur is a development spot, you know, and he was a wild card, and he did great things, you know. I can't take away the fact he's a bronze winner, um, he, you know, he was a guy that really shouldn't have been looked at or cared about, but he made his, he, he claimed his, he claimed his spots and he took it. He took advantage of the moments that were, were these opportunities that, that appeared for would him. You, would you say he overachieved? Because he said himself that when he started boxing, he didn't think he'd become a world champion. I think to a degree he has overachieved. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, like I said, I, I, we wouldn't be talking about Wilder. Wilder. Wilder wouldn't be here if there was two things that were in the method. One was that he was just, you know, freakishly gifted with his power. And the other one is, like you said, Hamed was uh, perfectly matched, you know. And, and as I said earlier, he came in at the perfect moment to grab a title because of such a weak division. But he was making defenses, and he was beating guys that, that uh, at times a lot of us thought that he couldn't win, that he could get outboxed by Ortiz or, or whatnot. Um, but to keep that, you know, to keep, to keep that belt and keep everything, you know, the only way I could guess I could put it out there is that when I've spoken to champions or legends um, and, and have a personal one-on-one with them, they always, they've always mentioned the same thing, which is trying to find – the next level of yourself to stay on top. Yeah. You know? He, uh, uh, I, I, and he, I he, think, he did it. I think yeah. he regressed 
since that first Stavern fight, I was very impressed. I know Stavern wasn't the greatest, arguably one of the weakest uh, heavier belt holders, but that was still a live body in front of him who took a lot of punishment. And Wilder stuck to a very good game plan, used a jab, where since then, uh, outside that maybe first Ortiz fight, which I thought was still a very good, uh, you know, good fight, and uh, which wasn't a bad win. It was a good win that he came back from behind, was hurt. Outside that, he didn't really show any improvement. He was always out getting out boxed by guys. He fought down to his level. Guys like Spilka, Gerald Washington. And it's just, I don't think he's the type of guy to listen to his trainer. Whether that changes, uh, if uh, if he leaves Mark Breland and goes with someone, it might be better for him. Maybe he's just become too home comfort with, with the inner circle he's had and Breland's kind of been shut down. I personally don't think he should take the third fight. I know he might, may not have that, have any options, but I think at this stage of his career, another bad defeat, if it's as well as physical as that was, that could be his last ever fight. I personally think if someone who cares about him was around him, I know Al Heyman will probably take that third fight and advise him, but they should try and go around the route of rebuilding, maybe one, maybe one or two fights, and put him in with guys like Andy Ruiz, guys like Dylan White, you still got good names out there that... You do, you definitely have good names to work them with, yeah. you know, and to still develop them and stuff. Ahmed, I'm going to put you back on hold, brother. I got to pass in some uh, other folks, okay? Thank you, man. Thanks for calling in from, from Wales, Ahmed. Always a pleasure to speak to you. Yeah, man. I love I love yeah, Ahmed, man. man. He always brings a lot of good knowledge and, and things to kind of re... kind of think about, you know. Um, let me patch in uh, 989 here. You're on live right now and leaving the ring. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, what's going on, Dave? It's Brian Fogg here. Brian, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? You still you recovering from that uh, wild Saturday night? <laughs> dude, I am. I am. It took a, it took a, almost a, a day and a half, dude, to tell you the truth, for me to finally just kind of sweat on all the alcohol that I had in my system, you know. And I'm actually <laughs> surprised, dude, that I have my voice. Because uh, I know definitely we scare the shit out of our neighbors. I think every Friday, every Saturday night, uh, if there's a big fight, every Saturday night, um, we fill up the whole block with cars. They even egged our cars, guys. I don't know if I brought that up to anybody. <laughs> there are some assholes that egged our cars because we were wow. parked, and you know, and uh, and I think it's because we had. You know, uh, the yelling and the screaming and the garage door open and people, you know, watching the fight in the in the in the in the garage, which is our game room and then coming into my the podcast studio to watch the fight. So but yeah, bro. So, Brian, let me ask you, bro. What do you what do you think? man? What do you what 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 was your thoughts about what happened with Deontay Wilder? And what do you think he he should do? Did he stick with um, Mark Berlin or did he move on and try to find new blood? I, I don't well, it, it sounds like he's going to fire him, but I, I don't think he should be so fast to do that. Um, I mean, just look at the progress he's made under uh, Mark Breland. And it, it, I mean, he's. He, I mean, if you think he's raw now, just to, just remember how he, how bad it was to watch him five years ago. Sometimes. Oh, I know. I know. Um, so and, I, I don't think he should fire him, but I think he already has probably. Uh, what what I don't like here is uh, how Wilder's handling all of this. Um, you know, excuses, blaming his corner, a conspiracy theory about Andre Durrell. It's like, Brian, what's Brian, going wait, on here, man? Brian, with all due respect, he said he had no excuses. And he said that twice. Right. <laughs> but he gave right, them, but right he after he said that, he gave a bunch of them. Yeah. 
exactly. It's a, it's, right. it's a, <laughs> it's a hard no pill, man. I mean, you got to get ready to hear five excuses. I know. Yeah. But no, uh, I, I, I mean, don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Right. Um, I don't think he should change necessarily change his uh, uh, trainers, but I mean, he's got to change a lot of a lot, and he's got to look inside. I uh, I don't think he should take the rematch right away, but I think I don't think might. so either. Um, I don't I don't think so either. And just really quick for our listeners, I don't know if you guys remember Brian Fogg. Brian was a reporter for Leaving the Ring when we did have a website back in the days. Remember that? And uh, Brian is one of the guys that that was uh, uh, reporting on Al Heyman before a lot of folks were reporting about him, uh, digging up uh, who Al Heyman was, along with Steve Kim. Steve Kim, I believe, was the first. And then Brian came behind him and was getting up, digging up the uh, the contracts. But Brian also was the guy that was going down to the Kronk Gym when they were almost about to close their yep. doors. Right, Brian? Yeah. Uh, well, or I, and I covered uh, the day they reopened the gym, too. That's right. Which was really a cool thing to see. Um, and that was like uh, like an offhand comment. I remember uh, this was right before uh, Klitschko f- signed to fight Fury. So like an offhand comment, it's like, oh, yeah, we're taking this fight. It's like, what? <laughs> But, uh, wow. yeah, I remember talking to uh, Sylvia Stewart, who is uh, Manny's daughter, and mm-hmm. uh, she was telling me how excited – this is like 2015 – but how excited she was to have uh, – what she thought eventually would happen is two Kronk guys fighting for a world title, like uh, like Fury and Wilder. She considered them both to be Kronk guys. I mean, Mark Breland fought for, was a Kronk fighter for a bit, and uh, Fury, I mean, always had his connection with Andy Lee and Sugar Hill. So it's pretty cool that – even five years ago, they were looking at this fight. Crazy. That, that's that crazy. Is, you know, I didn't even think about that honestly. When until you told me when we had our, uh, you know, uh, um, our discussion about day, yeah. Latimer Kalisco and and Fury, I was like, oh shit, I completely forgot all about that. You know, and then we started talking about the press conference. Um, you know, mentally, man. Let me ask you. Uh, let me ask you guys. All three of you guys. Uh, uh, because right now we hear the excuses. He said, I, I, you know, look, I'm not going to make any excuses, but then let me roll out the carpet here full of excuses. <laughs> Mentally, do you think that he's just completely broken down? Do you think that, you, you know, Fury is so mentally messed up that he needs even more than just uh, a few months, maybe even a year off to kind of re- Coop and get himself back and put himself back together? I think two things happened. One was when Fury got off of the canvas in the 12th round of the first fight and then honestly proceeded to kind of put a beating on him towards the the middle to last part of of that round. And then to come right back in in the rematch in the first round and then just to step into him with those jabs and those lefts, especially to the body, uh, and you know, obviously the ones that rocked his head back, he's got he's got some demons now in there, and they're, they're, they're all you know the offspring of Tyson Fury. He's got a long psychological journey to to get back to where he yeah. thought he could just end anybody easily with that right hand. Kenny, what do you think? I wholeheartedly, I wholeheartedly agree with that judgment. Uh, I don't. I, I honestly didn't think that we would see Tyson Fury fight at all again for the rest of this year. I had a private conversation with one of my friends, and I told him, 
Yeah, I don't see Tyson Fury fighting till maybe next April or something. Not the one coming up, but the following one, you know. Hmm. But apparently he wants to get right back in the ring uh, uh, and fight Tyson Fury again, which I don't think is a bad idea. Uh, and I don't see him changing his f- fighting style and anything like that, just to respond to what you guys said earlier. I don't see him changing it anyway. Uh, he had a ton of excuses that said, I'm going to fight the same exact way. Uh, this was my trainer's fault. This was my leg. This was that. This was a, No, 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 no. He's not changing anything. You could take a dog to the water, but that doesn't mean they're going to drink the water. Yeah. Hey, let, me ask you, let, me, let, me, let me ask you guys this really quick then. Because the fact that, look, I have said, I've said this numerous times, that Deontay Wilders has a suspect chin. Okay? It's not like he had this solid chin. He's been dropped more than Tyson Fury's been dropped through his career. Wilder. So, how big of a puncher is really Tyson Fury? Guys, I mean, uh, Brian, what do you think? Honestly, yeah, after watching, he's, he's, a pretty, he's a pretty decent puncher. Especially, uh, and I know, you know, Wilder, Chin or whatever, but, uh, I mean, you, you could hear those shots through the TV screen on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, yeah. Down now at my apartment. Look, guys, I'm going to take it back to what I said last week, where I paraphrased what um, Freddie Roach said after holding the mitts for, for Tyson. He said, look, Tyson is a Southpaw fighter that fights Orthodox. So mm-hmm. he is, he has made a conscious effort to sacrifice backhand power for a very strong jab and uh, left hook. And you saw what he did to Deontay to the body on the second knockdown. You saw what he was doing with the left-hand jab to the body and to the head, and also with the hook off the jab. Remember back in the day when De La Hoya started, it was all left, left hand, left hand, left hand. And then he got with uh, Floyd Sr., who started working the, the right hand with him. But before that, he wasn't known to having much right-handed power. That's kind of where Tyson Fury has been. The difference, though, now is that he is able to generate power from that back right hand now that he's been working with, with the Kronk guys, specifically Andy Lee and, and Sugar Hill. And he's, he's kind of stepping in, stepping in um, to, to those shots. So I think that if we're ever going to see him kind of ice guys with one punch, it's going to be from the southpaw stance. But he's definitely got very good power. How could he not? He's six foot nine, two seventy plus. Like if a man that hit you, it's got to hurt. Absolutely. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, I mean, uh, go, go ahead, ahead Dave. I was just going to say, since he adopted that Kronk style with the jab, you know, where if I miss you, my if my left hand is over the shoulder, I'm going to wrap my arm around the back of your neck, and I'm going to yeah. take out your legs. And then he also sneaks in what Lennox and Kalisco used to do, which is the right uppercut. So, yeah. you know, I, I think it's going to be – I think that helps out a lot in terms of his power that comes behind that, you know, that if he could take your legs out, you're going to see a lot more KOs. And I also, like I said, I, I, I think him being a Southpaw, but fine Orthodox contributed a lot on Saturday night, because that was, that was a necessity to beat to push back Wilder is to have a very stiff left jab. Yep. Yep. One that was quicker, uh, than, than Wilder's right hand and Wilder's right hand placement and Wilder's lunging in footwork. I mean, he totally took that, that aspect out of Wilder's game. Uh, yeah, Brian, yeah. you were saying and something earlier? Wilder was 
looked absolutely lost in there for a, really the entire fight. Oh, God, he did. Yeah, he did. I mean, Fury neutralized that right hand in the first round. And the reason he wasn't landing it or even getting close with it is because he was never – I mean, Fury was waiting on it. He was ready on that. And uh, after that right hand, he just didn't have anything. Now, uh, can, I want to kind of touch back on something you guys were talking about earlier uh, about when Wilder should be coming back. I, yeah. I don't. I, I think he should take you know nine ten months off here, but I don't expect him to. Yeah, I, I I think he might take that rematch. There's just too much money on the line not to. That's a uh, you know another twenty million there, and you're reti- you can retire rich. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. But I, I think he needs to get his. Um, I need. I think he needs to get his his team together and right, mm-hmm. you know, because that's still, that's the big question mark. That's the million dollar question right now is who does he keep and who does he throw? And, you know, does he really, really look deep inside him and watch tons and tons of tape over and over and over mm-hmm. of what happened Saturday night and what he needs to do to correct? Because, you know, immediate rematch, I say go for it, but not till eight or nine months, you know what I mean? Well, the thing is, the immediate rematch has to be uh, within the next few months. And yeah, he has to make the show started, I saw that he said that he's he's already accepted it. He wants to take the rematch. Yeah, that's yeah, so he that's, said that he's going to take the rematch. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. I, I mean, dude, big balls that he has, and um, wish you the best, but I. <laughs> I just don't see it, man. I just don't he's see su- it. He's super stubborn. He's super super stubborn. He said he said this is this is a quote from Deontay Wilder. He didn't hurt me at all, but the simple fact is that my uniform was too heavy for me. I didn't have no legs in the beginning of the fight. In the third round, my legs were just shot all the way through. But I am a warrior, and people know that I'm a warrior. Blah 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 blah. All that says is I'm stubborn as fuck. And I'm gonna set this fight and get beat up again. That's all I. That's all I read. Yeah, that's wow. crazy, well, man. Yeah. I like I like no Wilder too, man. I, I really like the kid, but like I said, you know, if you don't want to study history so it doesn't repeat itself, then that's you know your fault. It's on you, you know. And you can blame every. You can blame the way the wind was blowing, or whatnot. But Tyson Fury and his team, they did their homework, you know. Um, George Foreman used to say this all the time, over and over when he used to telecast as a commentator for HBO. If you have the jab, it's easy. You know? But but what happens, though, when the other guy's jab is better and faster than yours? Yeah. And what what happens happens when your stance is all the way out here? You know? He has an 85-inch reach. I think that yep. uh, I think that that Fury definitely has the the bigger the the, the stronger better jab, but I wouldn't say well, that 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 it's faster than Wilder's jab because whenever at any point in the fight that they both threw the jab at the same time, the punch will reach both of them. They will both hit each other at the same exact time. So I agree I would with say, you, Kenny. You know, Fury, I, I, yeah. I agree with you. The only one thing that I saw though that Fury does that you're supposed to do when you jab. Is Wilder would jab, but he only jabbed with the length of his shoulder. Fury yeah. jabbed, and he, he jabbed with That's all insane. the length of his shoulder. You know, so he gave him the extra inches, and you're supposed to do that. It's supposed to be like a like shooting a bow and arrow, you know? You pull it out, and boom. That's the way you're supposed to do it. And, and, and Wilder just doesn't seem to know how to lock that down correctly. 
Definitely. I took some notes. Trust me. I took some notes on Fury and his <laughs> jab. All right? I'm, I'm, I'm practicing that in the gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian, any, any, any final thoughts for this Saturday, man? Who do you got for Miguel? Uh, I mean, so for uh, uh, Mikey Garcia and uh, Jesse Vargas, man. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I, Mikey's definitely a favorite, but uh, like some of the uh, some of the odds I've been seeing on this fight are a little wider than they should be. Like you, like Jesse is like a plus four to plus five hundred underdog, uh-huh. so he's definitely worth a flyer at that. I mean, he's gonna make it competitive. We'll see how Mikey carries. I mean, it's it's at forty seven, right? Yeah, it's at forty seven. Yeah, you know, yeah. which it's kind of surprising because Jesse Mikey, Mikey didn't look good at forty seven. No, he doesn't. You know, and 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 Jesse does like to walk down his opponents. I mean, he's not a He's not one of those guys that are going to cut the ring off. He's not one of the guys that are going to try to outbox you. But he's a workhorse, you know, and he does really good yep. coming forward and taking shots and landing, landing the of his own. Um, I think he's a solid, strong guy at 147. And I, I just can't see Mikey. If, uh, if, if Mikey's legs are not under him and, and Mikey's not conditioned when it comes to legs, I, I, I could see it being a really long night for him. I just don't yeah, understand that's a tough fight. why he's at this weight class. Yeah, I hear you, man. Yeah, I hear you. Yep. Oh, and the, one, the one time he in Spence, he looked awful, really. Yeah, and you're yeah. seeing 147 to fight with all due respect, Jesse Vargas? I know. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know what he's look, thinking, man. There's so many, there's so many fights. I mean, Ramirez, Ramirez at 140. Josh Taylor, yeah. 140. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not even saying he's got to go back all the way to 135 at this point, but – I mean, those are matchups that get me excited, you know. Right. He should. Right. I'm saying he should go back, right back to 135. And all those guys are, are all those guys are on the zone, which is who he's signed to at the right. moment. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I think he should definitely go back to 135. I don't think he wants to right? lose those seven pounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think but, so either. If you, if you guys got to remember this, that the Garcia Academy. Uh, and the Garcia people, um, they have a lot of issues making weight. Mm-hmm. They always have. Yeah. They've yeah. always been issues with them making weight. So that might be the reason yeah. he's saying, I'm going to stay at 147. I'm not killing myself to make 140, 135, which re- realistically, I think he's more competitive. At 147, to me, it's just almost like you're just, this, you're just that one odd dude that likes to walk around the club. You know, he's like, what is he doing here? You know, why is he here by himself, man? <laughs> you know, he looks kind of, it, it looks off, but that's who Mikey Garcia is to me right now. Jesse Vargas, man, um, he's never really seized this moment. He's never got that one, you know, significant fight. He's a guy that's better known for changing trainers the way he changes his underwears. Um, so I hope, I hope he can muster something up against Mikey Garcia. And one thing I'm excited about this weekend too is uh, Chocolatito. I, I we right. don't really know what he has left. I mean, a, a prime Chocolatito walks down and gets rid of Yafai in seven or eight rounds. But you know, we're going to see how much he has left in the tank pretty early. Um, well, good thing Yafai doesn't have a big punch. You know, what's that? Uh, I think I, I would. I say good thing Yafai doesn't have a big punch. And if anything, no. Gonzalez is that. I think that's the best, better weight division for him. Um, I know everybody's like, I didn't know that 97 rough was still around. I'm still here, man, live and well, you know. 
I got a little bit of gray hair, some more wrinkles and stuff, but I, I'm still here, man. <laughs> the, voice, but, um, the voice is the same. The voice is still the same. The humor is still the same, man. Um, but uh, I was talking to to uh, uh, some of the guys from the Gonzalez camp today, and uh, mm-hmm. they were saying, look, man, he looks great. I think he's back at the weight he's supposed to be. Um, you know, their only concern is, 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 is trying to catch the opponent. I think that's what they're worried about. That's what they're waiting for. Um, so we're going to find out. It, it, I, I think the overall, that card of, uh, that's happening on the zone is a pretty good, solid card, especially the end out it February. Is. It is. It's a nice card. Uh, but, hey, I appreciate you guys having me on. I got to fly here, though, to uh, All right, take brother. care of my dog. All right, man. Yeah, you you take, care. Thanks take care. Thanks If you want to call in, you certainly can. 347-215-7598. Let's talk boxing here. Or if not, ask your question or your thoughts here on the chat room on the side of YouTube. Um, we're always live every 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on the Even Ring Monday nights with myself, Dave Duenas, uh, with the Mill Car, and Kenny T. Kenny Fanboy T. That's what we kind of call him now. A little uh, car. Kenny, ba- <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Fanboy T. I got so many names, yo. I yeah, know, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, what else got like permanent <laughs> <laughs> We got, what, what was the first oh, one? Uh, Kenny Thurman. The Kenny Thurman. Uh, uh, Kenny Fanboy Thurman. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's going to be Kenny Fanboy T. That's it right there. I like oh, that one. That nice. one has a really nice flow to it. You know, it, it, it has such a nice flow that a milk car just walked off the screen right now. He couldn't compose himself. <laughs> he, he, he's dying laughing somewhere on the side. <laughs> but yeah, look, I just, I just looked this up right now. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, My, Mikey Garcia, man, the guy's 5'6 with a 68 inch reach. And he's, uh, uh, right? And right. Vargas is 5'11 with a 71-inch reach. Uh, He's a big kid. Yikes. Wow. This is bad. Yeah. This is really, really and, bad. And when he fought, look, when Jesse Vargas fought Manny Pacquiao, there was two things about Manny. Manny was really well into the welterweight division, had been there for quite some time, has already made his, you know, his statement at the welterweight division. Their, their thought was, Okay, um, their thoughts were that, you know, Manny Pacquiao was old. That wasn't the case. You know, um, Mikey Garcia, oh, oh, the other thing is that Manny Pacquiao has a punch to hold you off. Mikey Garcia really hasn't showed that he can. He's got a beautiful jab. He's got it. I mean, he puts everything together perfectly in, in a fight, you know. Um, yeah. And that's true. Wendy City Vargas has been fighting at 154. So, you know, he's going to come in extra big. After the weigh-in, you powerful. know he's going to pack, yeah, you know, and strong, you know. So it's really up to Mikey Garcia to move and box, move and box. Whereas uh, Vargas is no Errol Spence, so that I think that's what people are are looking at. That Mikey Garcia is going to have that ability to show Vargas angles and create these moments. Know. That are gonna cap that he can capitalize, you know, but like just like right now, right, what you're saying, Katie, when you said I don't know, um, that's the big if, and I think that's what makes this fight very interesting, is because Jesse Vargas is a big guy, can take a hit, and 
tends to come forward and will let his hands go at the moments, though. But, see, my problem with Jesse is that when he does fight, he does get confused because he never knows what exactly which Jesse to turn on. You know, um, and I think that contributes because of so many trainers that he's worked with that he doesn't know if I should be this guy or should I be that guy or should I turn around and be this guy. And that's that's not something you want to do on fight night. Yeah, I, uh, it, I, I agree with you. It's just a bad situation. I think it's a bad situation overall for Mikey Garcia. Um, yes, Jesse Vargas is not Errol Spence and doesn't have the same type of build, but he is still significantly larger than, 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 than Mikey Garcia. You know, Jesse Vargas is a powerful dude. Like you said, he takes damage and he still comes forward while he's taking the damage, you know? So, uh, Mikey Garcia, dude whose power hasn't translated from 135 to 140 to 147, or at least that's the way it seems or seemed from the Errol Spence fight. Uh, yeah, right. I think the guy's putting himself in a, in a lot of trouble because, you know, he's going to punch and punch, and, and Jesse Vargas is going to continue coming forward. So it's like, uh, I, and I know for a fact that if Jesse Vargas gets the opportunity to knock him out, he's going to take it. You know, it's not, it's not going to be like Errol Spence where he's going to, oh, give him mercy because uh, I just want to show my boxing ability. We, both, we all saw it. There was points in that fight with Errol Spence where Errol Spence could have knocked him out. And Errol Spence will back off and stop throwing punches. You know, I don't think Jesse Vargas is going to do that. Jesse Vargas is going in there for the killing. You know, it's just a, it's just a bad overall look, I think, for, for Mikey Garcia. And you guys said that you are asking him to go down to 135. Oh, I'm asking him. I'm begging him. Please go back down to 135. <laughs> Please. Well, I mean, yeah. a, a fight with Teofimo is obviously more interesting than this. A fight with Lomachenko is obviously more interesting than this. A fight with Devin Haney is obviously more interesting than this. A fight with Ryan Garcia is obviously more in- I could just keep going. You know what I mean? Right. And w- what's worse is that when you look at the crop of welterweights that are out there, we've already seen them against Harold Spence Jr. I don't really want to see right. him against Terry Crawford or anybody else. It's like... Look, you're just on. You're just not a welterweight. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, yeah I, I give them all. Some of us are born heavyweights. You're not a welterweight. Exactly, and I give him all the props in the world for fighting Errol Spence. You know, I had said he wanted to. He, you know, by him making that move to welterweight division, he was going after the Godzilla of the welterweights. And I give you all the props. I thought for sure what he was going to do was jump up, get that, get that itch scratched and then go back to where he should go but for some reason he wants to linger around in that division and prove something that we already know you cannot accomplish you know um but he did pick the weakest i want to say he's the weakest i mean because jesse vargas is a tough guy he is a title holder um he's got in with some of the best names out there uh he is a competitor but Let's be honest here. Uh, Jesse Vargas, like I just mentioned a little while ago, is a guy that gets confused on what he what his abilities are because he doesn't even know who he is yet. Is he a puncher? Is he a boxer? Is he one fifty four? Is he one forty seven? Is he is he content with this trainer, that trainer? I don't know. He's a he's a tweener, so he's too small for one fifty four. He's too yeah. big for one forty seven. He he has you know he's a good boxer but he's not 
doesn't have crazy punching power. And honestly, he's a better commentator than he is than he is a, a, a boxer. I like Jesse Vargas. I'm just not that excited about ever seeing him fight. You know? <laughs> I mean, I'm just not. You know? Yeah. I, I was I, at I, one time I, when I, he I like came him. to the scene, but not, not, not as much as I do now, you know? And I think that, you know, um, the reality is, is that Mikey Garcia picked him for a reason. He's not the most dangerous 147 fighter out there. He's a recognizable name. He's a name that is beatable. But as we mentioned earlier, my Kenny, Kenny and myself, uh, yeah. is that he is facing a big guy. Uh, and Wendy City had mentioned it. He's, you know, he's been fighting at 154. He does come forward. He does take shots fairly well. And if he does trap you, he will let his hands go. And he's got decent power. I mean, I want to say he's not, you know, he's not going to, you know, start you out of there immediately, but he does have power enough to slow you down and break you down uh, to Mm -hmm. submit to what he wants. But, you know, even though this may not be Mikey Garcia's division, this may be Mikey's best win at 147 at his second, you know, tryout at 147. If he can pull the win off, like I if said, he can pull the win uh, off, Mikey, uh, yeah, he's gonna be not Mikey Garcia. Um, Vargas is gonna be very, very big. He's gonna come in there strong and powerful. And you know, uh, Mikey Garcia is putting himself in danger. And unlike uh, uh, Milcard just said, I actually like to see Vargas fight. He uh, why? Because when you see him fight, it's not that he is. You're gonna see a knockdown or you're going to see an amazing, intelligent back-and-forth fight, but you're going to see a lot of action because he takes hits and he gives them right, gives them right back, you know. Uh, so, yeah, he's not the best fighter out there. I don't expect to see a dude winning chips, um, championships or belts or whatever, but I do like to see him fight. He does bring some excitement to the ring, you know. Do you, would you like to see him fight more than any of the guys I've mentioned previously, though, Kenny? Uh, like, uh, I'm not sure. I was rattling sure. them off. I was saying, uh, uh, you know, Devin Haney, uh, Tank, uh, Tank Davis. Uh, oh, no, no, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. All of the guys not at, at all, 140, Prograve, Josh Taylor, I would have rather seen them take on a guy like Maurice Hooker, to be honest with you, or even Jose Zepeda. Yeah. You know what's sad I is that you. with all the talent in the world that Mikey Garcia has is that – First, he went on hiatus because he went with his war with top rank uh, for yep. quite some time, mm-hmm. okay? And everybody was anticipated for his comeback. He comes back. He looks spectacular. Then he decides to go to walk away to fight Errol Spence Jr. If, if, this, if this bidding of what he's doing at the welterweight division keeps going, guys, and he doesn't face any of the names that Amilcar has just said, he's going to be remembered as the, the, the kid that tried out at, a, at 147 and was beaten thoroughly for 12 rounds against Errol Spence Jr. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. When he could actually go down, there's so much more. Uh, if could. I was him, I would, I would definitely go, like, like I said earlier, I'm begging him to go back to 135. I would love to see him, Lomachenko. I would love to see him and Haney, him and Tank, him and Ryan Garcia, him and a whole shitload of other fighters that are great, that are 135, that will make for a better match than him at 147. Absolutely. And you know what's crazy, too, is that it's almost his way of, of, of him reminding us 
that he doesn't, he doesn't love boxing. You remember him saying that in Mill Car? He used to say that in the beginning yeah. of his career when he was a top rank, you know, because he wanted to be a police officer, and he always say that. Well, I don't really have the love for boxing. That's not what I want to do as a career. It's not what I want to end up doing for the rest of my life. And him not taking these fights at 135 and 140, it's almost that, it's almost the, the, that translation of him telling us, I don't really love boxing, so I'm not going to give you the best optional fights that were supposed to be produced by me. Yeah, I mean, for him, boxing is the family business. You know, his grandfather did it, his, his uh, dad or his uh, older brother and his, and his dad. And, you know, his older brother is obviously a champion. Um, it's, a, it's a family trade that he happens to be very, very good at. Really, really good at. You know, I mean, I, I, he, he has everything gifted-wise uh, all in the same sense of the way Floyd Mayweather Jr. was among among his family tree. Uh, you know, Mikey Garcia has it. Windy City, really quick, and Chadwick says, I don't think he's staying at 147. He's trying to lose weight because he got fat after that Spence fight. How long ago was that, though, Windy? I mean, you would think that he would have yeah. got something, you know, down at least a 140. You know, um, if he hasn't made it yet, lost that weight, uh, I don't think he, I don't think he is. Um, Unfortunately, Taco Tuesday is really popular in Oxnard. You know, I hate to say it, man. It's tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I got to write hey, that down because I got to pack in a few. Yeah, I'm about to go have some tacos in Mikey Garcia's name. <laughs> <laughs> hey, really quick, let's pack in Hamed. He said he still got a few other things that he wanted to drop here on Leaving the Ring. Um, and we got some we got some downtime here. Uh, Ahmed, you're back on air, brother. What's going on? All right. So I was on I was on hold because you said I just wanted to ask a couple more questions because go for it I don't know about you guys if you touched on this topic but what did you think about Kenny Bayless because I oh. thought that was a very bad performance oh we haven't even touched on that no God, thank you for bringing it up can I go in David go right ahead go right ahead. Really, really quickly, really quickly before you go in, I just want to say that I'm probably going to be the guy rebuttaling the whole Kenny Bayless situation. <laughs> Not dramatically, but rebuttaling certain points. I, 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 don't think, I don't right? think you heard this because you had stepped away from, um, yeah. from the show for a minute. Um, but yeah. Kenny's new nickname is uh, Kenny Fanboy T. That's his new nickname. Because Kenny has the same name as Kenny, so right. <laughs> I, 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 I got to defend my Kenny brethren, you know. <laughs> I mean, bro, if if a guy's name a Milcar, I'm probably gonna defend him a little bit, you know. Right. But <laughs> <laughs> luckily for me, I share I share the name of one of the best boxing trainers of all time. So, as you guys know, uh, Carlos Monzon's trainer. Monzon, right. Yep. Um, uh, no, but look, you know, Kenny uh, Bayless, there's three things I, I always uh, think of when I, uh, when I think of how he inserts himself in these fights. Number one, he's, he's always too handsy with the fighters. You don't have to give, uh, you don't have to always be putting your hands on them and telling them to break. Let the fighters break break out of clinches. You know, a right. lot of the time he was he was getting in there and he was, um, you know, putting his hands or even slapping the guys, telling them to to break when 
They literally just got into a clinch, and you don't need to to do that right away. Also, his yeah, verbal was, uh... commands, his verbal commands are always contradictory, and they're unclear. You know, a, a good yeah. boxing referee, and you notice this a lot, especially in international referees at the amateur level. You only need three commands. The three commands are box, stop, and break. That's it. You want them to fight, you say box. You want them to stop, you say stop. You want them to break, uh, you say break. Look up, but is it, is it not different for professional boxing? Sorry to cut you off. I was just wondering because I, I, I realize that as well. Professional referees are different to amateur referees. No, they are different, Ahmed, but you don't need to be just making up all these commands, which is what a lot of professional referees do. And the worst, I mean, it wasn't the case this weekend, but the worst is when they're giving these long commands and inserting their own verbiage when, when sometimes these guys don't even speak English. That's why a, a referee's commands have to be very short, one-syllable, very clear commands. All right, so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into the way that he walks around the, the ring with his ass up in the air and, and you know, because that, that's the other thing I always, I always notice about Kenny Bayless, pause. Can he ass out Bayless? But um, Are you looking at the booty? You looking at the booty? What <laughs> <laughs> you doing? Looking at the booty, man. He just has like how could you not? Steve Urkel, pants all high. You know he might as well be wearing Rich, Rich, It's ridiculous. Rich, he's one of those guys that has to reach with his wallet over his shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but 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 back to, to serious. Back to the serious stuff for a second. Right. Yeah. He, he also missed knockdowns. You know, yeah, one of the knockdowns he missed. Not one of the the first knockdown he missed was when uh, Wilder fell to the floor after holding on and grabbing the to to uh, Fury after being hit. Okay. Yeah, going I'll, forward. Right. Even the benefit of doubt on that one. But there was another one where Fury literally hits him right into Bayless, who shouldn't have even been in that spot in the first place. Right. Wilder's falling backwards after being hit. Kenny Bayless kind of keeps him up a little bit, and then he and then he ends up falling back into the ropes after that. Both of those should have been called uh, called knockdowns. But the most egregious thing to me was him deciding to to take a point take away a point. from something that yeah. both fighters were doing, and neither of them had re- really received an individual warning for. I mean, you got two guys working in a clinch, all right. Um, he says break uh, while they're still punching. I mean, it's just an unclear command. If you want them to stop, say stop. But you don't say break when guys are throwing punches and they have one hand free. It's, it, it's, look, the referee mechanics were just not good. And to take a point away at that point in the fight, I just felt it was ridiculous. And also it helped uh, Wilder recover a little bit, which is what Lennox pointed out. Because he, he gave him a, a, a lot of time right after the production. Yeah. So I was just not not happy with, with Bayless. And I'm very rarely ever, ever happy with the way uh, he referees his fights. And they should have had you, an international you know, referee there anyways. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, uh, uh, can I just say this, Kenny, before you jump in? Uh, I've always been critical of referees and officials because in the UK, I think we have some of the worst officials. Like, the standard is so bad, like, They'll stop fights purely, and it's just a horrible. That's why I'm not really that big of a fan of UK boxing on the grassroots. I used to be, but as the years have gone by, the officials have just gone bad, and now they're very bad. 
I think in Vegas they were good to a degree, but now it's just they've gone out of control. Like they never have a referee apart from the Golovkin Canelo rematch, a referee who's uh, from a different state. Uh, like they always got the same guys, Tony Weeks, uh, Vic mm-hmm. Draculic, and I don't know if you spotted it on the undercard. That Vic Draculic, that referee, he deducted six points in one fight. Like yeah. they over officiate some of these fights, like. I don't know why they need to get involved so much. Like I thought Jack Reese did a good job in the first Wilder Fury fight. Like let them fight on the inside. If someone's punching below the belt, you could warn them. You don't have to take points immediately off. Like I thought Bayless was too involved, and it kind of reminded me in the Ward Kovalev fight. Mm. In the first fight, the judges I thought got it wrong, and in the rematches, the referee. Although this time Fury completely took out the judges and referees' hand, like Fury was just a elite fighter, but. It's not a good look. Like, he's only the boxing. It's like in these high profile fights, you either got some sort of. Uh, some sort of officials messing up or, you know, not performing at the best. And I do think Kenny Bayless is actually a good referee. It's just. He's very inconsistent. Same with Tony Weeks as well. Uh, I, I, I would have to agree with the whole inconsistency with Bayless and Tony Weeks. Uh, I do th- uh, also agree with the milk car that he was a little too hands-on. Uh, what I did notice was that he kept on slapping Tyson Fury in the back, and you could hear it uh, hear it through the through the camera. So you know that if you if you could hear it, he was slapping Fury pretty hard in the back. But, but I do have to say, I do agree with the point deduction. Uh, yes, yes, uh, Kenny Bayless was a little uh, not consistent with his calls, whether it was break, stop. Or box, or, or, or yes, he was a little inconsistent, so it could have been a little confusing. But you have to understand that one thing that kept on happening throughout the entire fight is w- when when uh, Kenny Bayless would say break or stop, an extra punch or two would always fly out of Tyson Fury's side and land on Wilder. It kept those happening the entire fight. So at the point that Kenny Bayless took the point away, I was actually I was good. I was I was I was happy with the point deduction. He was like, "Whoa, this guy's really fighting dirty." Uh, there's a lot of stuff that we haven't mentioned today, like uh, like how Tyson Fury kept on choking him every time he put his weight on top, down on top of him. He would put his body on top of him, then he would bring the forearm up onto Deontay Wilder's neck. All that stuff is dirty stuff that Kenny Bayless was just letting slide and wasn't calling, wasn't officiating. He does over officiate certain things, but he under officiates other things. You know, the point the deduction, rabbit punching at times as well. I thought, I thought yeah, yeah, uh, Wilder was rabbit punching for sure, but the, the Wilder ra- rabbit punching came in the later rounds after Wilder kept on getting abused after Kenny Bayless would call break and, and the, the, the punches kept on flying from Fury. If you look at it, it was maybe round four or five that Wilder also started letting his hands go when they were grappling and holding each other up. In the early in the earlier parts of the fight, Wilder wouldn't let the hands go when they were close by. They he would try to grapple and hold and stuff like that. And then Kenny Bayless was like, break and then you see boom, boom, two more punches yeah, but here's fly the every thing. single time. Here's the thing. Most of the time he said break, guys had one hand open or a fan free, sorry. And then after he says break, he doesn't say box again. So when are they supposed to start throwing punches? Right. <laughs> true, 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 true. See, that, that, that's, that's why I said, yes, he was definitely inconsistent. No with, with the, he was definitely inconsistent with the phrases that, that he was saying, what he was calling. I completely agree with that. But, yeah. but, but you cannot deny the fact that Fury was fighting extremely dirty and throwing punches after Kenny Bayless said break. 
and that he yeah. definitely and he deserved, never and, said that, and, and, and that he definitely deserved for that one point to be deducted. Okay. It's not even it's not even it's not even he didn't get to say box, bro. If the dude says break and you're still holding the other fighter and you haven't broken, and you start throwing punches, how how where is there for, where is there time for him to say box there? No, the point deduction was 100% deserved. Generally, there's a warning. Generally, they warned the guy. Yeah, he, he gave him a warning early in the fight. He gave him a warning like in the I third thought, of the fourth round. He, he did give him a warning. It was things two rounds them. before that. He, he, yeah, he both of them. He said, I'm going to start taking points away if you guys don't follow my instructions. You know? Oh, oh, you know he, his unclear he, instructions. And it's yeah, and he <laughs> moving around with his eyes all bugged out. I mean, the guy is just, <laughs> he's just distracting. Man, I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you on on camera with your Steve Urkel movements and your eyes all bugged out. Look, just move <laughs> oh to the God. side. You guys fight. The, the, the funniest part of the officiating it was when he goes, break. And then you see, I think, uh, uh, right when he said break, I think it was Wilder that, that let a punch go. And it like hit Kenny Bayless in the hands or something. You see, he backed up and he completely forgot that he said break or whatever. He's like, oh my god, it was like a shock moment. It was so that's, funny. That's the point. Yeah, he's sometimes over official. Like his commands are not clear. The thing is also he's way too hesitant to break guys up. Like you gotta let guys fight on the inside. Like if one arm is tied or if one arm is clear, you gotta give him time to at least work out themselves. You can't quickly jump in. Right. Like I. I I think he's at times he's a bit too hesitant to jump in. He's a bit too involved and when you watch his mechanics as a referee, it's like every second he's dying to jump in. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, Mitch Halper, who I always felt that was one of the really good uh, riffs, reps uh, before he took his life, sadly, uh, from Las Vegas. Um, I remember watching the interview with him. And he was saying that, you know, refing is, is a consistent – it's a consistent job that you got to be on top of. you got to visit the gyms. you got to work sparring and amateur. Just that, that you got to be on your toes as much as the fighters are on their toes. I always wondered how much of these older reps are getting in that time because, you know, it's like when they make it there – there's no regulation. There is no, to me, there's nothing to make them to see whether or not they could continue officiating. You know, uh, do they, do they have a lack of response? Um, their eye coordination is it still there. Their reflexes. Uh, there's a lot of stuff. I think what Kenny Bayless too, what happens with him and why we saw that point deduction was his way of trying to take command of situations that he had no complete command over because of the, of, of the way like you said, Amilcar, he he's not very direct. He's not very clear on his his uh, uh, commands. Yeah. Would you say his control as well? Control sometimes he loses everything. Like other referees. Everything was from yeah. his, like I said, his commands were unclear, right? Uh, right. And his positioning was terrible half the time, which is why he he uh, Wilder got knocked down into him, um, and he's just he's. He just wants to insert himself too much, and and, and uh, honestly, yeah. he, he the breaking the breaking them the co- constantly calling for break when hands were free that helped Wilder if anything because Wilder's the one who can't fight on the inside. Yeah, 
So he yeah. was being, he was biased basically towards Wald. The thing I don't know if this is corruption or what because I realize whenever there's a Al Heyman fighter or whatever, they they always get these K- are Katie not Bayless bad is there. Yeah. Kenny's yeah, always famous there. Tony Weeks, mm-hmm. Tony Weeks when Mayweather and Ward. I think it's more to do with Ward in that rematch. Uh, Bayless for Mayweather was very, I thought, biased against the Madonna fight. This fight was for Wilder. I think he could have stopped that fight to Bayless, but if that was the other way around, Fury's getting dropped all over the place, bleeding. But it wasn't, I don't think he appreciated the failure. And I, I think the refs, are, the officials are better, especially the referees on the East Coast. The guys like Ch- Charlie, Harvey, Fitt, uh, Steve Willis. Steve Willis, Steve Willis. Yeah. yeah, those are those are good referees. Even the female yeah. referee, who I can't remember her name, like she's a lot better than these dudes. And could you ever imagine a situation where Deontay would go to England to fight uh, Tyson Fury and you'd have three uh, English judges? And, and an English yeah. yeah, I've hmm. never liked that about Las Vegas. Always, it's always three American judges, which I think is never a good idea. And you got the referee, who's majority of the time is American as well. Yeah, I do think the officials bad. are better than the UK. Yeah, but it's not a good look. Uh, like uh, there's some referees I think who are way too. Uh, lenient and not involved. Like I think Steve Smoker was a good referee, but at times he was way too laid back. Where there's others who I think are just way too involved. I think there should be a line where they should. Well, you I mean, know, you're mentioning kind of, you're mentioning a lot of o- older guys already. You know, these guys. There's got to be a, a change of the circuit here, in my opinion. You know, we, we boxing tends yeah. to hang on to old blood. You know, and old ideas. Um, there's got to be but, in order to see these other guys come in. To fruition of, of, of their trade, you got to give them opportunities and slowly scale them up and all that. Where I don't see but that. Do you, I see... do you choose experience or do you choose youth? So I'm saying, I do understand what you're saying, but I'm saying, is they, are they basing everything on experience? That's why these, all these old guys. They are, are... They are basing, they're, listen, they're basing not just on experience, they're basing on being familiar. Okay? And, and, and boxing, a lot of the times, look, look a promoter, a small promoter doesn't have say who they're going to work with. The commission does, but a big promoter has say who's going to work the card. And that's a problem. It should be equal down the stretch. There should be no favoritism. There should be no, Oh, let me pick what I want and what I should take. The commission should be looking at it thoroughly and say, okay, let's look at, Four or five, five back, uh, four or five fights back of this ref, and see what they've done. Let's also have some type of like, I don't know, some testing here. You know, I mean, uh, being a uh, ex union guy, we had to, we had to um, re get certified if you were welding, if you were, uh, you know, any type of burning pipe or anything in position, you had to retest. I don't see why these guys are not retest. Yeah, I agree. That, that's a that's a good point. I agree. Like. Um, that's one of the main, I think, uh, probably problems because Joe Cortez was a referee, but he retired at a very late age. Like I think he was late about 70, age. 71 yeah. or something. So he was blind, I, bro. I, I was surprised. I, I want to say that he was legally blind, if I remember that correctly. Don't quote me on it, but I want to say I go back and find out. But I believe that, I, I, if I remember correctly, I was told that he was legally blind and he was still in there. He was missing a lot of stuff, man, uh, towards the end of his career. I mean. It was so obvious. They should have cut him loose a long time ago, but 
like I so said, there those some I think there's Ahmed a, being a little bit. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I'm just saying, uh, there's such a I good old a, boy club uh, in boxing. It's terrible. That's all I'm saying. You know, I, I have a quick question. That's all. Uh, go, go ahead, Amel. No, I was just going to say, Hamed uh, seems to believe that the referees in England or the Britain are not as good as the ones in in um, in Vegas. The only guy that comes to mind that I've ha- had some issues with uh, at the top of my head is uh, Ian John Lewis. But I think that Phil it's Edwards... It's a law. It's a law. Yeah, Phil, Phil Edwards is, is a decent, yeah. decent referee... Um, Howard Foster, a decent referee. Terry O'Connor, decent referee. Um, I just. But if but, you look, uh, if you look at the track records, how quickly they stopped fights in the past. Like, I was at Joshua Takam. Phil Edwards is the referee. I thought oh, that, that was, was a bad one. one. That was a bad one. You're right about Frost, that. Yeah. Frost, Frost, uh, Howard Foster. That was a bad stop. Like that's what I'm trying to see. Uh, with the UK referees, I'm always wincing when there's a fight in the UK. This guy is about to stop the fight. Like, just. I think in the UK they're just not that good, and the same as their judges as well. Like uh, I just think that, but in Vegas I think maybe it's corruption because Vegas is you know the gambling capital of the world. Or well, I think maybe some of them have just been old and aged out because I thought Robert Bird was a really good referee, but you look at his, he's some too of the old last now. Of fights. He's too old. Yeah, he's, he's too, really old. too old. He's way yeah. He's, he's lost like, ready like, over that. He's lost some of his senses. Um, I guess so, to, to ask my question really quickly, I, I, I read something on on Twitter. Uh, I saw it was an image of Kenny Bayless's face staring Tyson Fury, like staring at Tyson Fury <laughs> with disgust in his eyes, and it was like, uh, uh, like I was reading the comments on the picture, and it was it was, it was some it was something along the lines that that that. Kenny Bayless uh, is like a fan of Tyson Fury, something like that, like that he wanted Tyson Fury to win and that he was very upset. Excuse me, not Tyson Fury. He wanted Deontay Wilder to win and he was a fan of Deontay Wilder's and that he was very, very upset that Tyson Fury won. Uh, do you guys believe any of that stuff? Like, no. I think that people who are, who are, in, who are doing that are kind of inserting a race into the equation because uh, right. Deontay Wilder's black, Kenny Bayless is black, Deontay yeah. Wilder's American, he's African American, but the optics again. It's like, look, if you had Deontay going to uh, England, all three referees were from England, and the referee was Irish Gypsy Traveler. Like it wouldn't look, it wouldn't look fair. You know what I mean? That's yeah. true. That's true. Uh, no, it just wouldn't look fair. Uh, sorry, I'm okay. I just because someone did put a picture up and check down that rumor because Bayless, there's pictures of Bayless and Mayweather when he's one. Pacquiao and his one is just this right. facial expression, but yeah, we couldn't get me that mixed up. <sighs> Let's yeah. make this clear. Let's make this clear because, see, here's the thing. Bayless has been picked by Al Heyman's promotion, not Al Heyman himself, but, you know, the, the staff that worked there. Not because he's a black guy. It's because they no. like the way he officiates. They like the way yeah. he's refereeing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they That's wanted true. to work That's for true. his, for his uh, uh, you know, um, for their guy. That's that's you a different thing. Work on right, you know, so so of course, you know, and that's what I mean, that across the board it should be the commission should have say who works with who and and I, I there's gotta be a different method. And I'll say it again, these smaller promotions, they don't get to pick the ring doctor, they don't get to pick the judges, they don't even get to pick the refs. I was at a, a, a um in, in San Francisco card 
for uh, a much smaller promotional group that was being backed up by Golden Boy. But Golden Boy at the time wasn't even there. They were just lending the name, okay? And I was talking to the in-house promoter, and mm-hmm. he would say this really hard. He goes, well, here's the thing is that – because I was like – this is the reason I brought – I'm bringing it up because I, real, I realized that we have good reps in the Bay Area of California and in, in Southern California. But I was wondering why do why do we why are we seeing Nevada judges here and why are we seeing Nevada reps? And he said, "Well, we don't get to pick them because we're a small time uh, promotional group. You have to pay them extra to tell them who they who you want. We don't that's get to select any of that, you know. So that's what I'm saying. Across the board, I think it's 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 just shitty the way they do it. But it's a good old boy club." In boxing, and it's something that's never been broke because it's it's been developed since the first day boxing was born. Yeah, I I I, I don't think uh, I don't think appointing Bayless before the fight was that bad of an idea because while the even now he's making excuses, but after the first fight, there was a lot of, you know going on with them blaming Jack Reese, even though I thought he did a very good job. Like if if that round twelve. If that was someone like Bayless, he'd probably wave it off by 99% of the other referees. But the fact that we've seen what happened in that round 12, that was the right decision. And that's why we're here after uh, the other night on Sunday, Saturday night. But it was just it's the way he refed the fight. But at the, after the fight, uh, Wilder, I'm sure I read he was blaming Bayless. But Bayless did say he would have stopped the fight early. He was about to stop the fight before Mark Whelan threw in the towel. But I personally thought Bayless could have stopped that fight a bit earlier if he really wanted to. He, he, I think he, he could, gave Wilder every benefit. Right. He could have. I'm going to put you back on hold, bro, because we only got All three right. more minutes. we got to right. give I'll, up our I'll final thoughts here. Thanks for taking my call. Okay, All brother. Right. Thank, you. Thank, thank you so much, you know. Thank you. Um, you know, there was so much that was surrounding about race and, uh, you know, um, in terms of who was trying to bait what. You know, I don't really think Wilder was trying to bait race i think he was trying to bait the whole fact that it is something that you can't ignore um racism in the sport of boxing is huge it sells tickets you know if you don't believe me watch how bob arm created the rivalry between puerto ricans and mexicans and filipinos and mexicans and you know it's it's just so much behind it because people become very patriotic and being patriotic is a poison it's a it's a threat. I mean, look what's going on right now in our country here in the United States about being so patriotic. You know, if you're not one way, you're not a real patriot of the U.S. So I, I just think that Wilder, Wilder is, a, is still a guy that, you know, he's, he knows how to sell tickets. Was he touching at it? Was he fl- flirting with it? Of course he, he was. was. He was. And, you know, and, and he was in the media, too. Yeah, like, he was, uh, you know. Did you see Jason Whitlock? I did it. What a what a fool! It, yeah, he I, had I, I did it. He had Tyson Fury on, and he was calling Tyson Fury to his face, the Great White Hope, and you know what does yeah. it feel like that this is a black versus white? And Tyson Fury shut him down. And what a lot of people don't don't realize uh, about um, gypsies is like gypsies are a group in England that have been discriminated against. They were victims. Hated in the on, yeah. Hated on. <laughs> People yeah, wouldn't do yeah. business with them for thousands or hundreds of years. They, they faced a lot of racism. Tyson Fury just looks like yeah. a, I guess, a typical white guy to us in the United States, but that's not what he is. 
He's from yep. a, a, a disenfranchised uh, racial group. So um, yep. it's 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 just but but don't bring it into the sport, man. Let's just follow God right. for who they are, their boxing styles and everything else. I didn't like it. I, I, I never, I never care for it. I never care for it. I think that it gives you biased eyes, and like I said, you know, but it's very strong in the sport of boxing, just like in soccer uh, or football. Uh, some like to refer it, but you know, I, I really don't buy into it. But I understand why it's it's used as a promotional gimmick because it's work. It's a good. It's a formula that's worked, and it hasn't been broken. Uh, and people will, will be sucked into it, which is really bad. Anyways, hey, guys, again, as always, had a great time here on Leaving the Ring. We're on every Monday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Blog Talk Live and on YouTube. If you didn't catch the show, don't worry about it. It will come right back up and replay. Everybody that visited us, thank you very much. Everybody that calls in, thank you very much. Uh, again, as always, enjoy your weekend and don't drink your drive. Thank you, guys. We'll spill your beer. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have a great Have night. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas Caballeros.